if you would please turn to your Bibles, John chapter 7, verse 46. And if you are using the Red Pew Bibles, you would should you should turn to 893 the officers answered no one ever spoke like the man Good evening. Tonight, my lesson is going to be about what Jesus said about salvation. Martin Luther King Jr. said, Freedom is never voluntarily given by the oppressor. It must be demanded by the oppressed. Also, John F. Kennedy said, Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Even though these are great speakers throughout history, they all pale in comparison to Jesus and what he had to say about salvation. In John 7:46, like Jacob read a moment ago, Jesus' enemy said, no man ever spoke like this man. Taking all this into consideration, let's focus on four examples of what Jesus had to say about salvation. First, Jesus said he came to save sinners. Now most people don't like to think themselves as sinners, but that's exactly who Jesus came to save. Please turn with me to Mark 2, 17. Mark 2, verse 17. Jesus said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You don't go to a doctor if you're healthy and happy and giddy. You don't go to a hospital unless you're badly wounded or severely ill. Jesus came to this earth and died on the cross for the sins that you and I committed. Jesus is our doctor and he came to cure us of the nasty disease we all possess, sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 Luke 19.10 reads, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save which was lost. We were all lost at some point in our lives, and Jesus came and searched, for us, searched us out to save each and every one of us. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent his only Son to die on the cross for our sins. The crucifixion of Jesus sums up who God is. God is love. And because of, of the sins we committed, somebody had to die, and we are undeserving of it all. Secondly, Jesus said salvation requires belief. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As we have already discussed, Christ died for us, but salvation is a two-way street. Christ did die, however, it's not so easy that we obtain salvation. We must believe. John 8:24 says, if you do not believe I am he, you will die in your sins. 
We know from the previous scripture about believing, but let's look at the consequences if we don't believe. John 8:24 specifically tells us we have to believe that Christ is he, otherwise we will die in our sins. In John 11, tw verses 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And, anyone who, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Also, Acts 16, verses 30 through 31 says, Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will, you will be saved, you and your household. These are two real-life examples of belief bringing salvation, only because first, Jesus died on the cross to save us and allowed our sin to be cleared. Also, Jesus said salvation requires repentance. Matthew 4:17, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Also, Luke 13.3 says, Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning towards God. Repentance requires a change from your sinful ways. And salvation requires repentance and allowing yourself to follow God's narrow path. And finally tonight, Jesus said salvation requires baptism. Jesus spoke about baptism at the point at which someone is saved and is cleansed from all sin committed before the point in which they were fully immersed in the water. Please turn with me to Mark 16, verses 15 through 6, 16. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. This verse says, Go into all the worlds and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned. Also, Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20 reads, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And finally, John 3, 5 says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. These verses are all soaking wet, with the command to be baptized. God put emphasis on baptism being required for salvation, and ignoring this simple step will cost you an eternity. Jesus said a great deal about salvation. He noted that it requires belief, it requires repentance, and finally it requires baptism. To truly follow God, we have to follow all of his commands. Have you ignored or belittled how the commandments have not been fulfilled in your life? Are you listening to his words? Are you listening to God's words? The question that Cody just asked us. Now you might think to yourself, how can I listen to God? You know, and it's, it's a very legitimate question because God doesn't actually talk to us. But have you ever considered that God talks to us through his word, the Bible? The psalmist said in Psalm 119 verse 97, 
Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. This was the attitude that Jesus had about the word of God. As we continue tonight in our study on how nobody ever spoke like Jesus did, let's now talk about what Jesus said about the Bible. Have you ever loved something so much that as the time or event approaches, you just get excited? For me, it'd probably be going to Whataburger, and I know everybody else thinks that too, because Whataburger's great, or the upcoming football season, or even living right here in Katy, Texas, and going to this congregation. But all these things pale in comparison to the amount of love that Jesus had towards the Word of God. We all need to strive to be like Jesus and have his same characteristic of love towards the Bible. The first thing that Jesus said about the Bible is that it is necessary for life. What is not necessary is going to Whataburger or liking football or even living here in Katy, Texas. Matthew 4.4 4 said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God must be present in our lives for eternal life. We must dwell on what God says, and we must apply it daily. Matthew 26, verse 39 says, The word of God controls us when we are hungry, uncomfortable, and it tells us what is right. The second, the second thing that Jesus said about the Bible is that it is from God himself. Again, Matthew 4.4, 4, from the mouth of God. Back to what Cody touched on a moment ago, the most important thing to hear is from God himself. If you would please turn to 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, all, get, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. From this verse, not only do we learn that scripture comes from God, but we can use scripture. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth, for your word is truth. Jesus says, your word, referring to God. In the world we live in today, there's plenty of false doctrine. But isn't it a blessing to know that the Bible we have is 100% true and it's 100% from God? The third thing that Jesus said is that the Bible is objectively true. John 8 verse 32 says, And you shall know truth, and truth shall make you free. Now there are two types of truth. There's subjective and there's objective. Subjective would be me saying that George Strait is the best country singer of all time. Whereas you might disagree with me, there's nothing you can say or tell me to make me change my mind. Objective would be God's word. Even, the, even though all people don't know it or recognize it to be true, it is still independently true for everyone. God's word is truth it's an objective truth and it absolutely matters. The fourth thing is that Jesus said the Bible is unchanging. If you would please turn to Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 through 18. 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 through 18. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Since 1789, the Constitution has been amended 27 times. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm very grateful for those changes. But notice that the Constitution is a man's law. Since the completion of God's Word, it has not been changed or altered by God once. God's Word is the same today as it was then, and it will be the same 5,000 years from now if the Lord does not return first. Matthew 24, verse 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. We already talked about how the Bible is true. And here we have a promise from Christ assuring us his words will not pass away. Fifth, Jesus said that the Bible is worthy of reading. If you would please turn to Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 20. Luke chapter 4 verse 16 through 20. This is where Jesus is rejected at Nazareth. Starting in verse 16. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Notice in verse 16 it says, and his custom was. Jesus made a habit of reading God's word. In Acts 17 verse 2, it says, Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Paul also made it a habit to go back to God's word. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1 says, Imitate me just also as I imitate Christ. Is your life modeled after Christ and after Paul? Are you making it a habit to read God's word daily? Is that one of your customs? Are you making it a habit to come to services every time we meet to learn more about God's word? These are just a few questions that we all need to ask ourselves. The sixth and final point is that Jesus said the Bible is essential to hear. Mark 4.24, Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear, with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. At my house, we're always messing with Parker and telling him that he doesn't listen, or that he has selective hearing. But when it comes to the Word of God, we cannot let it go in one ear and out the other. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. In order to have faith, you must first hear the Word of God. With all the points that have been made this evening, I think it could be said that we all believe the Bible and, and what it has to say.
even if you're not a Christian, you obviously have some belief or think it's important, and that's why you're here. Maybe you're in the audience and you would like to know why the Bible is necessary for life or why it's essential here. Or maybe you know what God has said, and for that reason you need to repent of your sins. Whatever you need, please make it known as we stand and as we sing.